This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion. Forms have been signed and <laughs> confirmation and uh, agreements that kids can do PE all out the way. Um, let's have another chat about Liverpool Football Club. I'm joined by Beth Lindup. How are you, Beth? Yeah, good. Thank you, Fitzy. How are you? I'm good. Long time no here, but good to see you. I'm glad you're back on the show. Joe Rimmer's with us as well. You all right, Joe? I'm all right. All right. I realise listeners might be very confused by um, your your intro there. But yeah, They often are, I'll be honest with you. Just to say, we had a little bit of a thing where Joe had to give his consent uh, for his son to do PE. So, I mean, it's, it's official now, mate. If you say you didn't. Yeah. He's, 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 back, he's back in training after a foot injury. Back in training. Yeah, okay, good yeah. lads. That's good to hear. Well, talk about back in training. Uh, anyway, Liverpool Football Club, uh, onwards and upwards. A great position at the moment as we head into the international break. Uh, 3-0 win over Brentford, leave them second in the table. Um, they've actually won uh, more games than City. Or they've certainly lost less games than City, let's just say that. They are a goal difference of three, sitting just behind them on 27 points. Uh, nice little area to be, of course, the big game coming up against City on the 25th after the international break. It's another early kickoff, unfortunately. We don't seem to like them, but they don't seem to mind anyway, do they? Uh, but couldn't form at the moment, Joe. Just wanted to talk about, in particular, the Brentford game. Uh, I've been sort of going on about this, the, the, the endo thing and, and, and signing the player and not really giving him much of a chance. He came on, obviously, against Bournemouth in the first game when McAllister was, was sent off. But he's been he's been sticking to that formula, hasn't he? Of McAllister mm-hmm. trying to put that square peg into a round hole, um, and with McAllister, it just at the moment anyway isn't working. And it was it was finally great to see Endo on against uh, Brentford, and and for me, did everything that you need that kind of player to do, and sat into the centre central defence, allowed Trent to go forward. That's surely got to be the way he goes forward, isn't it now? Yeah, I mean, I, I was really surprised coming into this after the last international break. It was the derby, wasn't it? It was the first game back. And I, I thought he might have just played Endo in that game, coming back from the international break at home against an Everton team who, yeah, they've got into form now, but they were only just about getting into form coming into this 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 set of fixtures. So I thought then he might have taken a plunge and gone with Endo, and that he didn't kind of hinted maybe that he wasn't fully convinced by him. And I think we've seen some of the European games that he just lacks a little bit of pace, doesn't he, for the way that the whole play. But but saying that, I think you're right. And I think, you know, at Luton, I think they would have benefited from playing Endo. Um, and, and, you know, in the previous games, pushing McAllister just a bit further up the pitch. And I know he didn't play against Brentford, but, but had they been able to do that, might have benefited them a bit more. And it also might have given Endo a confidence boost that, that he's needed, that he is trusted in those big Premier League games. And, you know, coming after the international break, going to City, he's, I'd say he's probably unlikely to play there, isn't he? So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, look, it, ultimately, maybe Klopp's seen something in training and he's not, he's just not convinced on Endo just yet. But that he hasn't played him in this little spell of fixture, which, fixtures, which have seemed quite straightforward, I think it's fair to say for Liverpool, that is a bit of a warning sign, but hopefully Brentford represents a corner turn for Endo and, and he can get into the team a bit more option. Because like you say, they bought him, you know, he, he came in, he's got plenty of experience. And he's not, obviously not the long-term solution in that role, but he's certainly what they've got for the short term. And, and I'd just like to see them go with him a bit more. And if they don't think that 
he's he's all right on his own in a three, then maybe supplement him with Trent or give him some support or maybe play play a bit of a double pivot as they call it, don't they? And put him there. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I was a bit surprised, like you. I think Brentford is a good step forward for him. I don't imagine he'll play there against City, but I would like to see him play there a bit more often, just because I think it would help the other players like like McAllister um, thrive a little bit more. Um, and I think he might not be, Endo might not be as good ability wise as some of those other players, but he might be better for the system, and, and that could be good for Liverpool. Well, I think that's it, Beth, because when you look at Endo, he doesn't obviously he doesn't physically look like the kind of player who's going to be who's going to be uh, successful in that role. But he he's, he's a hard worker, isn't he? He he gets everywhere. He's I mean, he was clearing some headers. He's not even the tallest on the pitch, and he was clearing some headers from corners, dashing around everywhere. I think I think what Joe says is probably there's a ring of truth to that. In there, he's very much he's very much led by training, isn't he, uh, Klopp? He, he watches the training, and whether or not he's found he's thought that. Uh, Endo is 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 a little bit slow for 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 a very very pacey Premier League, but the fact the fact is at the moment um, the alternative has been playing McAllister in a role that he isn't being successful doing really. Um, the crowd is starting to get a little bit on his back a bit, and he's giving away possession. He's been asked to have his back to goal more or less, isn't he? And back to the opposition goal, picking up balls and moving forward. He doesn't have the pace to do that, but he does have a skill further up the pitch. Getting the ball, and we can see he's still a great pass for the ball. He's provided a couple of assists, but you just think that the Endo Endo's one of the players that doesn't, as Joe said, he's not a flash player. He's not one that you you know will dribble past three or four. He did some lovely drops to the shoulders the other day, and and sort of you know uh, put a few people um, on their backsides and, and moved on. He just does the right job well, doesn't he? He's one. He's like a Carragher who used to do a great job. Very, very well. You didn't expect anything from him. There were no overhead kicks or bicycle kicks or whatever. But he seems to be fitting in that. I would, I, I personally like. Even as I said, he even allowed Trent to get forward and move into that, into that centre back position. It, it, it works. It just seems to me. I don't understand why. What Klopp is seeing there, rather than insisting on the McAllister thing, you surely can't say he's going to go to McAllister again against City, would you? I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I've said a few times this season, I feel quite sorry for McAllister because I think he's a fantastic player and a, a player I was very excited to see in a Liverpool shirt. And I think we've seen flashes of absolute brilliance from him. You know, I think sort of the pinnacle of that was was that gorgeous ball he played through for, for Darwin for, for his first assist for the club. And um, yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. But as you say, his, his skill set is definitely suited slightly higher up the pitch. And you know, I've made the point a couple of times this season that, you know, if you go back to that season when, when Liverpool lost all of the centre-backs and they were trying to sort of plug plug holes by playing midfielders at centre-back, played Jordan Henderson and Fabinho there, that sort of coincided with that real sort of torrid run of form that, that Liverpool had where they lost sort of this real horrible run of games. And I think a large part of that was because you lost the impetus of, of what those players could do in midfield and you were trying to substitute, you know, them as, as defenders and, and you didn't sort of get the benefit in either position then. And I think it's to a lesser extent, is a, is a little bit the same with McAllister. I think you play him in that number six role, and I don't think that's where he thrives at all. And I also think he then loses his skill set higher up the pitch as well. So I, I completely agree, Fitzy. I would like to see Endo play there more. I think, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans over the summer wanted the club to bring in that sort of world-class number six, you know, in the sort of the Declan Rice mould who could come in and, and sort of be a destroyer, but also sort of classy on the ball and after the whole sort of Mo Moises Caicedo saga, there was, you know, I think that real clamour for, 
for a real top quality holder midfielder to come in. And, and I don't think Endo maybe is that, you know, in terms of certainly long term. But I think, as you say, he's someone who can certainly sort of do a job there and, and keep it simple. And, you know, I'd be nervous with him playing in that number six on his own um, going away to Manchester City. But I think sort of as Tactico Joe Rimmer as, as referenced earlier on, <laughs> the, the, little, the, double, the whole double pivot thing, you know, put someone else yeah. in there beside him, whether it be Trent, whether it be you know, have Endo and McAllister there t- together and, and maybe that sort of helps sort of share the workload. I don't know. You know, I'm certainly not a, a tactician myself, but um, I, I agree. I think I would like to see McAllister further forward and Endo given more of a chance in, in his natural position. I mean, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because you've just highlighted it and uh, and I think everyone says it. You know, we all sort of caveat uh, Endo by saying, you know, he's not, he's not the ideal. You know, he's not the permanent thing. He's not the... So... I mean, we were assuming along the line that the, the uh, Andre Trindade, who'd have been supposedly been 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 interested in for quite a while now, who, you know, uh, uh, Fluminciani, whatever they're called, Fluminescence, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he just won the Brazilian Cup, um, to which he played a very, very pivotal part. And now it comes out and says that, that now the rumours are that Liverpool aren't weren't really interested in him. I've got no interest in getting him in January and now Tottenham are leading the race for him. So you get these kind of news things. You don't know what's agents bluff and you don't know what's, you know, reporting bluff. But clearly that position, I I, I just hope that the Klopp doesn't put too many eggs in one basket with the McAllister situation because Fabinho was bought in that position. Yes, okay, Genie was converted into that position. McAllister doesn't look to me like he has the physicality or the pace to ever grow into that position. Plus, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to play in that position. He's used to playing, um, you know, in the lines between the front two um, and providing passes. So, when you look at stuff saying Andre Trindade is no longer anything in, in Liverpool's future, you, it just is a bit confusing to me to wonder what is then. Because, is he ta- I mean, we have a, a dearth of midfielders, don't we? We've got a 10 positional midfielders at the moment. Thiago probably won't play for us again, by the looks of it. I don't know what's going on with that. So you have to wonder if Endo wasn't the answer. McAllister doesn't look like he's going to be the answer. You have to wonder what they're going to do. Because, again, I think in the little stumbles Liverpool have had so far, Joe, in this season, you know, the Luton 1-1s and the 2-2s, it's been down to indecision in midfield again, hasn't it? Because you can quite clearly see the front five are doing a job because we're scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it just... It looks like an incomplete team, doesn't it, really, at the moment? And I think we all know where the, the area is that they need to improve. I think you're absolutely right. I don't see McAllister long-term in that position. And I'd be very surprised if Klopp planned long-term for him to play in that position. Um, he certainly wasn't bought to play in that position. They still had Fabinho then, and I don't think they expected to lose him. So, I'd, you know, I, what I do think is that Liverpool often distance themselves with players when they either don't feel like they can get the right deal done or we know that Klopp likes to back his his players and probably doesn't want rumours about Andre Trinard hanging over Endo or others when they're playing um, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, like you say, we don't know what games are being played. I'm sure Liverpool will be making plans. I'm sure, you know, look, they've signed a a 30-year-old. They've got to be planning for the future of that position, haven't they? And they wouldn't have signed Endo if they thought that that, that um, McAllister was the long-term answer there either. So we know that they're going to be targeting someone in that position. Whether they think they can do that in January, I don't know. But but 
you know, it, it does feel like the team, the area of the team that's incomplete. And, and I think Beth made a really good point about the year with the centre backs because it does just feels like it's knocked other positions just off kilter a little bit. And and certainly with McAllister, I, I can't help but feel like they could get so much more out of him if he was just a bit more advanced. You know, we know his strengths are the way he can pass the ball, splitting the lines and, and, and operating a little bit further up the pitch. He did that so well for Brighton and for Argentina that I can't help but feel when I see him playing in a defensive position that Liverpool are losing a weapon in that area of the pitch by not playing him there. So um, just think of how, more, how much more potent that front five could be with him in the mix as well. So, so yeah, it's it's a problem position. Um and if they're not going to play Endo, I don't. I wouldn't like to see them to last the whole season. I think you've got to be ruthless. And I think Klopp's biggest strength sometimes is that he backs players, and that's that's helped with the likes of Robertson, Fabinho, Juan Alden, so many players that, that needed backing. He's got them got them to a big level. But but sometimes I think it can be also a weakness when perhaps they they just wait a bit too long to be ruthless and, and move someone on. And if they don't think Endo's the the answer, then I'd like to see them move in January and get it sorted quickly because there's big trophies to play for this season. I think if Liverpool can stay on, stay in touch till January in the league, you know, I think City are fantastic and they're most likely going to click into gear in the second half of the season. But right now, there's a little bit of weakness there. And and, and that same goes for other competitions. There's, there's big trophies to play for, so Liverpool really need to target them. And um, I don't like the idea of just going, you know what, we made Endo a commitment for a season, so we'll stick with them. If they don't think it's right, then then be decisive and, and, and change it in January. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, because it is clearly, I know we said before, Beth, but it is clearly the, the jigsaw puzzle piece that isn't fitting at the moment, isn't it? It's and that I feel is causing a little bit, you know, Liverpool have this tendency to fly through games and then these they, they, they they sort of have a bit of a withdrawal of confidence. I mean, you know, off the back of a Toulouse 5-1 victory, Forest 3-0, um, Bournemouth 2-1 in the Cup. But the Luton 1-1, as I say, tight stadiums can make a difference. I mean, that's why premiership clubs, big clubs have never wanted to go to stadiums like that. Um, because they're tight, they're on yet, they're around yet. Crystal Palace is always very difficult away because they're, they're small. There's an isolation with big stadiums, I think, where players get to play the game. But in little clubs, it didn't surprise me that they, they fluffed the lines a little bit of looting. Um, but there was a, just that inconsistency coming in. And I feel like it's almost as though the mid... It's almost as though the, the, the back five or the back four would like to possibly bypass the midfield if possible. And there seems to be a lot of these diagonal long balls or long balls being because they're just trying to get it because there isn't that 100% confidence in what's in the middle of the park at the moment. We, you know, Slobislav's proved that he is human after all. And he's had a couple of, yeah, I think he was just, he had a, he had a stinker at Luton. I know that he, he, he was, he was very poor there. And um, it's just that middle section, isn't it? That, that, that is just letting it down. But front five, I mean, you know, they're as good, they're as good as anyone, aren't they? I mean, we saw it the other day. You know, Nunes still has that ability, of course, to, you know, we can't hit a band over the banjo from three foot away. And yet, you know, he can he can provide and then his runs are fantastic. He's that rough diamond still, isn't he? But that's that's some five, isn't it? With now, thankfully, with Diaz back with the, the fantastic news that he's 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 been reunited with his father. So that must have been a huge burden off him. Um, so we're playing, you know, w- w- without without some incredible players as well. It's it's it looking like a strong squad, but that that top five can compete with anyone, can't it? That front five, Beth. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think sort of as, as a collective, I don't think there's anyone in the league. I think there's, I don't think there's anyone in world football really that can, can boast to have sort of that embarrassment of riches in, in attack. And I think I think the frustrating thing, you know, I, I think when you look at the midfield, there's obviously been a complete rebuild there. And obviously there's going to be some teething problems at some point, you know, as, as you mentioned there, Sabozlai, the first few weeks of the season, he just, you know, took everyone's breath away with the way that he came in and made such an instant impact. And, you know, there's bound to be, you know, off days in, in week, games where it's not quite sort of clicking into gear for, for that midfield. Um, but I think when you look at some of the players, you know, Mo Salah obviously has made a fantastic start to the season, looks in, in as, as good a form as he ever has, really. Virgil van Dijk has, has been sort of back to his imperious best the last few weeks as well. And, and Alison Becker. And I think when you look at City, you know, watch that that 4-4 City-Chelsea game. And I think there definitely are weaknesses to exploit in that City team. I think defensively, they definitely can be got at. And I think, as Joe said, I don't think that Liverpool are completely out of, out of a title race. I think they could really push City all the way this season. But... I think you don't want to be looking back at the end of the season and thinking, oh, if only we'd have moved in January to bring in, you know, a, a defensive midfielder that might just have got Liverpool over the line. And I think that's the frustration is it almost feels like, you know, if, if Liverpool don't rectify that position in January, that they've maybe left themselves short in one key area of the pitch. And, you know, meanwhile, various other players in the team are having fantastic individual seasons and it almost feels a little bit like a missed opportunity. And, you know, I think, you know, we had to let Fabinho go in the summer for, for the money that, that came in from him. And, and, you know, when you look at his form last season, he was obviously below his usual standard. So I think, you know, the club made a shrewd business decision to, to, to let him go. But again, you don't want to get to the end of the season and think, oh, what if we'd have just kept Fabinho and, and had, you know, a number six? Would he have returned to form? Would that have influenced Liverpool's form at all? Um, but yeah, I think when you looking at on the positive side, I think as an, as an attacking unit, Liverpool are, are absolutely formidable. And you know, excited to see how they develop because, you know, Darwin Nunes, as you said, is still so incredibly raw and he will have bad days at the office. We saw that against Luton with that horrendous miss. But for the most part, I think he's been excellent this season and he showed on on, uh, on Sunday that even when he's not scoring, he's still contributing and was, you know, probably Liverpool's best attacking player, despite the fact that, that Mo Salah was the one on the score sheet. So, um, so, yeah, lots of positives to take. But I think, you know, as, as you say, there's still a few little kinks in the team that need ironing out. Can I just dive in and make a point about January? Because I like that said there. I think I think it would be good if they if they can be decisive in January. But I think it's almost forgotten that two of the two signings that the Liverpool made in January sort of kicked their seasons into a new gear. You know, you look at Van Dyke, obviously, that's the main one. And um he completely transformed Liverpool when he came in and, and they obviously reached the Champions League final and, and kicked on that season. But Luis Diaz as well, you know, they're going, going on four fronts that year, weren't they? And he just sort of took them to a new level when they needed it. All right, they didn't get over the line in the league or the or the Champions League, but but I don't think that... I think that the only reason they got that close and got there is um, is because because um, they signed a player that good and, and, and he pushed them on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if they, if they make good signings in January, they can really take your season to new heights. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And but as Beth said as well, if, if one of those new signings in January, if there's any new signings in January, but if one of them isn't, you know, a number six or, or isn't a player that plays in that position, then you've got to feel like this is they've had an entire season. Uh, we struggled last season because of this. That was the thing, yeah. wasn't it? Um, because obviously the former Fabinho wasn't good enough. Um, and then we've been struggling ever since with it. And, you, and, and you'd have to feel that 
January, one of those positions has to be a permanent, you know, uh, number six who can do that kind of role. And we've got so many midfielders now. I mean, the influence of Harvey Elliott has been incredible, hasn't he? We've had that plan B now that we haven't had for a long time, Liverpool, where they were often criticised of it. That when the team puts 10 behind the ball, we can't break them down. We just knock it, to, we, we put it into the wings, we whip it across, and it gets headed out by, by, by fullbacks. Bringing Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott on just seems to give them that little runner between the lines. He gives them a little bit of excitement, a little bit of a, a kick up the backside, doesn't he? And he's been phenomenal since he's been coming on, Beth. He's, you're almost looking forward to him coming because it feels like he comes on when Liverpool are, are out of ideas. And he comes on and he just he just makes himself very, very busy. And, and he seems to be that plan B. It gives teams something else to think about, doesn't he? And, and certainly, um, Luton were 1-0 up. And he came on, and and he was suddenly starting to, uh, to 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 lose possession a lot, and and get a little bit worried around the box because he covers a lot of ground. A great player to play to, to bring on, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm really pleased for him because I think sort of last season he obviously featured in nearly every game for Liverpool, whether that was starting or, or as a substitute. And I think because collectively it was such an abysmal season for the most part. I think players like Harvey Elliott maybe bore the brunt of that a little bit, and they had you know probably fans on social media saying, "Oh, he's not good enough for the club." and you know, sometimes I do look and I think, is he, is he long-term going to be sort of Liverpool's main man? I know he did an interview with, with Gorsty not long ago and he said his dream would be to be to be captain of Liverpool. And you think, well, you know, fair play to him for, for, for aiming big. And, and I would love to see it work out for him at, at Liverpool because I think he has been excellent this season. You know, it can't have been easy going from having sort of a, a star and role in the team last season to having this sort of glut of new midfielders come in and he's sort of relegated to a role on the bench largely. But I think... As you say, when he's come on, he's made a real impact. I think probably when you, you look at the games that he started, mainly in, in the Cup and the Europa League, he's had more of an impact as, as a substitute. And, you know, he probably won't want to hear that. He'll want to be impacting games from the start. And I'm sure he'll get sort of ample opportunity with the Europa League and, and hopefully the League Cup and, and the FA Cup when that kicks in to, to have, you know, starts and, and show what he can do from the beginning of games. But, yeah, I think he's definitely a, a sort of a, a potent weapon to have and gives sort of Liverpool that little bit of unpredictability and, I think sort of his issue is he's almost a victim of the fact that he can play in various different positions and he's one of those players that you don't really know what is his best position. Is it on the wing? Is it in midfield? And I think at times that can work to his strengths. Um, at others, you know, it, it's hard because he's not going to displace Mo Salah out on the right and then you look and think, well, he's not going to displace the Bosley in midfield. And um, But yeah, I think certainly as an option, he, he's he's been excellent this season and, and hopefully that continues for, for the duration. Yeah, lots of lots of alternatives now, isn't it, Joe? When it comes to certainly the front five, I mean, you know, we've got Diaz to come back into the side, but but a bit of an unsung hero for us, Diogo Jota, isn't he? he? Just, I mean, he took his goal against uh, against uh, Brentford there. He's just a phenomenal footballer, isn't he? He's quietly goes about his business. He's he's so dangerous, isn't he? His, his his skill on the ball, his movements on the ball. You've got so. If you've got Nunes playing as a nine in the centre, which we haven't had for a while, and it's good to have that person who, who can do them runs in the box. Yeah. So you've got that thing now of of, of Jota and Diaz, and don't you? And obviously your first on the sheet would probably be Diaz because he's such an incredible player. But Jota just quite, sort of quietly goes about his business. But um, he's been vital so far, mate, hasn't he? And, and just the way he plays the game, his, his, his brain, his movements off the ball, he's so strong. He's such a good goal scorer, isn't he? He scores every different type of goal. Um, he seems to get tap-ins. He seems to score from range. He seems to be able to dribble with it. He gets little headers every now and again. I mean, 
my thing about Jota, I'm never sure whether I want to start him. Whenever I pick my strongest team, it, it very rarely includes Jota. And I don't undervalue him. I just I don't really know how he fits into Liverpool's best team. But he always finds a way, doesn't he? And he always finds a way to to get on the score sheet, to affect games. And that is a vital quality, certainly of a forward player. So, yeah, like you say, I think, I think the good thing about Liverpool, they can go... If they want someone to, to be a bit more of a traditional winger, they've got Diaz. Um, and if they want to, to get a goal, they can bring on Jota, play him off the left, and he can cut in on his right. Um, and I think he, he dovetails quite well. And, and Nunes seems to be, me, the, the player that is bringing them all together now. And, um, you know, that, that's a far cry, isn't it, from last season when really just looked a little bit like a fish out of water at times, Nunes. And even when he was, even when he was, when he was dangerous, it was a solo thing. It wasn't really a team thing. Whereas this year, he's linking up really well with Salah. I mean, that relationship is growing and growing. But even with the left-hand side of the pitch, he's, he seems to be bringing them into play as well and dovetailing with them nicely. So he can drift wide, Nunes, and allow Jota to come central. Um, and, and then he can stay central when Diaz goes wide. So they do have... They all combine well, that front five. Um, and then when you you sort of hopefully Doak can get some more chances throughout the season when you throw in the mix as well, they've got a really exciting young player there as well. So it, it's really exciting. Um, Jota, I mean, he, he seems to quietly go about gathering goals, doesn't he? And I'd be surprised if he doesn't get 25 this season because he, he just seems to score every other week, doesn't he? So great player, great signing, probably one of the most underrated players um, probably in the Premier League. I think, I think I'd go as far as saying that. I think... I think so many of the clubs would, you know, what Man United would give for a Jota score in almost every game. Um, you know, so many of the clubs would, would, would love a Jota, but at Liverpool, these sort of third, fourth choice, isn't he, when, it, when um, they're picking that front three. So, yeah, um, it speaks to the, the quality they've got there. Yeah, he's remarkable. He's almost an impact player, and you do find that sometimes you want him off the bench. I think that maybe every now and again, if he doesn't get utilised when he starts, he tends to drift out the game a little bit, doesn't he? But it'd be interesting to see the difference in this now, Beth, because what Joe's just... I was going to go on with what Joe was just about to say, or what he did say about Nunes, and what he is now offering the whole front line, because, you know, before Nunes, it, 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 the ball was passed either down the right wing or across to Salah, and then Salah's first job was then to take on two players, wasn't he? Nunes is starting to pull players off Salah now, isn't he? Because he's a threat in the centre, because he's making moves left and right. And that's opening up possibilities for Salah, I think. It's almost a sort of a, a, a completely different thing for Salah to have to contend with now, because or the defenders too, because they've got Nunes on one side and Salah on the other. And that's why I think he's so pivotal, Nunes. He's learning, he's, he does some fantastic runs. He had two offside the other day. I mean, what was it? Bootlace offside, wasn't it? Let's be honest with you. Uh, the the bicycle kick was just an instinctive thing, but you know, if he runs the lines really well, he starts to understand that offside thing. Because I mean, last season he was about two yards offside. He's starting to understand them runs, and he's just pulling players away from Salah, and and that's the beauty of having that kind of that kind of positional play, isn't it? And you've got Gravenberch as well, who's been quite uh, impressive when he goes forward. He, he he seems to you know lurch forward with his first touch, and he wants to get forward as well. So all the signs are there, mate. Aren't they? As I say, the only other one thing it's a bit concerning is the um, is the Canate situation. He seems to get injured quite a bit. Done. He's, he's he's done his hamstring now, and such a powerful player for Liverpool, such a big unit in he. And great that we got Matip there, and we've got Quansai who seems to be uh, Quansai who seems to be really um, bedding into the team well, but. Um, 
it'll be a little bit worrying, can't it, when you see a def- he's had quite a few injuries since he's been in Al Canati, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's he's a fantastic player, and I think you, you know, I always think back to that that Champions League final in in Paris, and he was you know by a country mile the best player on the pitch. He was absolutely phenomenal, and um, yeah, he, when he's when he's fit, he's fantastic, and he's first choice for me alongside Virgil Van Dijk. And I think you know you look at Van Dijk, obviously is is getting older, still looks you know it, like as, as I said earlier, it, it's sort of back to his best this season, but. Um, you know, when you, you think sort of long term, Canate sort of seems like the, the natural successor to sort of be the, the real leader in, in that back line. But his injuries are a problem. I think he had a, a pretty poor injury record before he came to Liverpool. And as we often see, other players tend to come to Liverpool, even players that, that haven't had bad injury records and tend to, to pick up little niggly injuries every so often. So, um, yeah, so it's proved and it, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, Joel Matip, I've got to say, I think, has when called upon this season has been brilliant. I think last season, you know, probably symptomatic of the rest of the team being poor, but he struggled last season. And I think we were sort of all thinking, you know, is this the end really for Joel Matip at Liverpool? He's out of contract next summer. And I think now you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, do you do you renew that contract? Do you give him a year's extension? Because he's not really put a foot wrong this season, apart from maybe, you know, that that unfortunate own goal at Tottenham, which, you know, he'd been absolutely heroic up until that point. So you can't really lay, lay that too, too squarely on him. But... But yeah, Canate is is frustrating one, and I think you know one of the, the other areas in the summer that a lot of people thought that Liverpool might try and, and attack was was bringing in a, another defender, and you know in one sense not doing that has enabled Joel Quanta to, to really sort of make his breakthrough, and he's been so impressive. And you know I think maybe if, if they'd have brought Quanta in from somewhere else and he'd have come in, there would have been a lot of hype. This you know exciting young player who's coming in and delivering these these top quality performances, but. Equally, you think, well, would you like him to start against City? Probably not. You probably wouldn't, you know, back him to, to start in sort of those real sort of high-profile games. And 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 then that's where Canate's injury worries become a, become a real issue. Um, you know, I think Liverpool do need another defender. I think, you know, particularly, obviously, if Joel Matic goes next summer, um, having a, a versatile defender who can maybe play at left-back as well or play in a back three or, or whatever, I think would be would be useful. Um, I think, you know, we've seen with, with Andy Robertson being out that the Costas Simakas, I don't think, you know, long term, you would want him playing at left back too frequently. So, um, yeah, Canate is a worry. I think he's out for a couple of weeks, probably will miss that City game, won't he? And, and you know, again, unfortunately, at Liverpool, it does seem sometimes players are initially going to be out for two weeks and that turns into six months and, <laughs> um, you know, as, as with Thiago. But, um, but, yeah, hopefully it's not too serious and he will be back sooner rather than later. The old, it's a bad one, but it's bad enough to keep him out the next game, and then the next game, and then the next game, and then yeah. before you know it, yeah, it's it's been Thiago, and you, you haven't seen him for a year. So, I mean, Thiago must be taking part in that game operation. I don't know what I don't know what's going on with him. He's lost track of. Well, the last time I saw him, he had he had he had he had a fringe. That's how long it's been since he's played for us, um, and I don't think he will. It's just one of them ones, isn't it? You think is he ever gonna? Is he ever going to? I mean, it's one of them as well. He's going to play. You want to see in a team with it, with it, with a midfield that are, that are solid, aren't they? And, and letting him pull the strings and stuff. But it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. He probably would have played the six, wouldn't he? This season, I think if he'd have been fifth, it would have yeah. been him in the six, and McAllister would have been a bit further up. But the the, the issue I've got with with quite a few Liverpool players is just fitness. I, I mean, I always say for a team that prides itself on buying people with analytics, like. I mean, fitness records. I know Canate didn't get injured loads before he signed for Liverpool, but he did sign for Liverpool with an injury, didn't he? He was out a big chunk of the season before he signed for Liverpool. He's a great player, 
but doesn't play enough. And I think, you know, that the other players, the, the best players have got Van Dyke, Allison, Salah. They're, they're barely injured, such wood, you know, like they, they, they don't they don't spend a lot of time out with small injuries. You know, they might get the bigger ones like Van Dyke's out, but but the small hamstrings, thigh problems, all those, they don't spend a lot of time out. But but Kanate spends far too much time injured. Um, Thiago spent far too much time injured. Um, you know, and he, he's obviously such a gifted footballer. He, he's one of the best that we've seen play for Liverpool, Thiago. But I'd never have him that far up there because he just doesn't play enough. And um, I think that that is a vital quality for a great player is 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 availability. And there's there's too many of them. So I, I think for the defense, we've had some good performances this season. Matip's been been really good this season, back to his best. Gomez, I think, has had a really good season. It's moved around all all the areas of that defensive line and 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 not put in many bad performances. Um, but we've seen he's had injury problems in the past, and then obviously Canate's injured too much. Quanta looks a really good prospect. I really like the way he passes the ball, and he's, he's good in the air. He's very confident. But I think that is an area of the team that they're going to have to pick up in the summer because um, I think they just need they need more available players. Um, and, and especially if Massive goes, then they, they need to um, have a good look at, at the long-term status of that defence. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, last season it was uh, people were sort of saying, oh, you know, Van Dyke's not looking how he used to be. He's making mistakes and all that. But coincidentally, it was this, you know, it's, it's the old theory. The more pressure you put on a, on a defence... The more mistakes they're going to make because because they're being pressured all the time. So it's the it's that midfield key. If you have a midfield that takes pressure off or sits in front of, as I said before, Endo in the last game sat on many occasions was just sat in front of that four, and he wasn't you know he, he, he wasn't trying to get forward. Didn't want didn't want to get forward. He wanted to try and make that four or five to sort of a harder to break down. And I think that's. It can't be underestimated how important that is at the moment, just to get a little bit of cover for them. So the Slobber's lie I found is, is sort of wandering around all over the place at the moment. And I think just having that, like you say, you probably won't play him against City, but it will be frustrating if we line up against City and he's got, you know, Slobber's lie, Graven Birch and, and, and uh, McAllister there, because again, that's Man City. You can't mess around with them. And, and who is going to be there to hold it? Because it's not... You run the risk now of, of having McAllister not wanting to put on his boots because he's thinking, I'm getting stick here. I'm getting stick. I'm giving away possession. You know, I'm late with tackles because it's not his position. Someone on Twitter the other week was saying, don't give me this. It's not his position. He's a professional footballer. What kind of... What does that mean? Put him in goal then because he is as well. He's a professional <laughs> It's ridiculous, mate. It is stupid. Um, but it's definitely a defence. In that sense, I think that's the, the centre-back thing is something that has to be looked at, definitely. Um Connor Cody's been impressed. Connor Bradley's been impressing about wonders, hasn't he? For one player of the season, they're talking about him possibly uh, being a right back solution if uh, Trent wants to wander forward. Is Trent still doing that thing, isn't he? I think Beth, where he wanders forward, wanders back after time, doesn't he? It, 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 it's a bit annoying, isn't it? Yeah, I think that was, um, you know, it was sort of the, the Pep Guardiola thing that he did with John Stones last season, wasn't it? With that whole sort of inverted fullback thing and. Again, it's one of those phrases that you just sort of think either you're a fullback or you're a midfielder, like don't mess around. But it, to be fair, you know, last season Trent did have some success with it and has had some success with it this season. And I think, you know, against maybe sort of at home against teams toward the lower ends of the table, you can get away with that. Again, against sort of the likes of Manchester City and, 
you know, you, you run the risk of, of leaving yourself very open if, you, if your right back has, has gone venturing into midfield, particularly if you've not got the likes of Conate there, who's obviously got the pace to get back and recover if Trent does sort of go a little bit AWOL. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the long-term plan is for Trent. I think sort of certainly more and more now when, when you see Trent give interviews and obviously sort of when you see him listed for, for England, he's down as a midfielder and he tends to be playing there more frequently now for England. I think he long-term would like to be in midfield. I think he's, he's sort of being more and more open about that. Um, whether the club go along with that, whether Jurgen Klopp is happy to, to go along with that, um, you know, who knows? I think obviously if that's the case, they need to get a world-class right back in and, you know, Connor Bradley is obviously impressed on loan, but until you sort of come and do it in a Liverpool share, I suppose you, you never fully know how that's going to going to work out really do you it's a it's an interesting one I think sort of just going back as well to, to the whole sort of Manchester City and, and what the midfield's going to be I think it will be really interesting because for me Manchester City's best player is without a doubt Rodri I think you know Haaland's banging in the goals and De Bruyne is obviously absolutely magical but I think you take Rodri out of that team they're a completely different outfit we saw that they lost a couple of games on the bounce when he wasn't playing um, you know, he picked up a book in against, uh, against Chelsea and I was sort of keeping my fingers crossed thinking, oh, I hope he does something stupid and gets another yellow and gets a ban for the Liverpool game because I think they're just a much easier team to play against with, without him there. And I think that just shows you how vital it is to have that world-class number six and, and why it's such a coveted position. You know, Declan Rice and Caicedo are going for, for obscene amounts of money over the summer, but that's because clubs really now value that position. Um, so, yeah, I think... There are a couple of areas sort of looking to January and looking to the summer that Liverpool will have to, to make some big decisions on and, and right back and, and and sort of a number six. I think that's they're, they're sort of central to, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a wonderful time to point out that Liverpool, uh, 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 it's been reported, are in talks or are looking at trying to sign Leroy Sané, <laughs> who plays in neither of those positions. <laughs> um it's ridiculous because really, you don't know what's true and what's not. You know, Alfonso Davis as well has always been has, has, has been linked to it. But it has to be. You get tired of saying it, mate, don't you? But it has to be something that's gonna that's gonna just make that midfield more balanced and uh, and more operational and taking the weight off defence and pushing them forward and allowing. Because, like you said earlier, that one positional player like Rodri, he was just a phenomenal footballer. He? I mean, I think Rodri was a direct answer to Liverpool. Catching City, wasn't he? I think he was. I think he was Pep's. Go and get me the best player in that position in the world, and we'll and we'll we'll steam ahead. And they did. And the things he's done, you know, since they scored you know Champions League winning goals, it's just everything in it. You know, he's just he has been the answer. And unfortunately, that the Liverpool counter answer should have been get me someone as good as Rodri, or if not, not far off. And we're still looking, aren't we? And, and in the meantime, they're plowing forward. So. Um, it is a very, very tricky one. It's just getting that balance. As I said, I was hoping the Trindade thing was was something that Liverpool were, were, were serious on doing, and um, it'd be very disappointing if Spurs got hold of them. They, they must be looking for someone, mustn't they? I, I think there might be an element of them. Maybe they've looked past him now and think there's better people to be had, but I can't imagine they get through next summer. In January, that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's this yeah, season yeah. on now, and it's like you're yeah. leaving it till January. No one's going to go in January. A lot of the cup yeah. tied in January. Who is it you're going for? That's that's going to. It's this. They have an incredible patience when it comes to getting a team right. And you're like, well, and, 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 the, and the problem with that is it is that yeah they have this patience, but then you you suffer all the setbacks, don't you? You get 
an injury problem here, you get a, an injury problem there. You know, if, they, if they're patient and leave it this season and don't do anything this season, we could get to next summer and Salah could leave. And then if Salah leaves, that turns your summer on his head and you have to basically, that has to become your priority, replacing Salah. And I think that's what happened this summer a little bit. They they were like, well, we'll, we'll fix the midfield. But then Fabinho and Henderson left. So they were like, right, well, we haven't just got to replace one person midfield. We've got to completely redo the whole midfield. And it meant they couldn't get the centre-half that they wanted. So I do think there's an element. Sometimes Liverpool plays these really, you know, they have these ideas that they'll plan for the, the next two or three windows. But but sometimes you've got to just strike. And I don't think they do enough of that. I think sometimes they, they just go, you know, we'll suck it up and we'll get through and we'll play this player in this position and we'll put faith in this player or we'll bring in this youngster. And then it doesn't go to plan and they, they're, they're making up ground the following summer. So my worry is if they don't do anything in January, in the summer, they'll be looking for a defensive midfielder. Someone will lead, they'll have to replace that. And then, you know, you, you can't get the de- defender that you want or the forward that you want. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in January, but if they do t- stick to their guns and not sign anyone, I think it's a slight worry. And the only way that that pays off is if Endo suddenly finds his feet and becomes a really good player and, and they find a solution. So I, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I do think as well, like, you know, I, I agree with everything that Joe said there, but I think it is hard when you're at a club like Liverpool because you don't have a lot of time for sort of trial and error because yeah. if you, especially now with the standard that Manchester City have set, if you lose four games, that's it. You're sort of out of a title race, really. So you, you can't really give players too long to bed in. Because if it's not working, you just sort of have to take them out of the team and try something else because you can't just persist. And it's difficult because when you look now at sort of the market for, for defensive midfielders, there aren't really that many. You know, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone who I think feasibly Liverpool could get who would come in and make a real sort of transformative impact. You know, Andre, I've seen bits of him. I can't say that I've, I've watched loads and loads of him. Um, I can't say that he'd be the one who'd come in and transform the midfield. Uh, I'd like I to think Paulinho was still doing very, very well. Yeah, I, Paulinho actually is, is one player in the summer I would have really liked Liverpool to go for. And when you look, obviously, they Fulham were prepared to let him leave. Um, obviously, it didn't transpire in the end. But you think, you know, Liverpool had maybe inquired there a little bit earlier on in the summer. Could he have been someone who'd have come in? Um, I think he would have been quite a shrewd, shrewd signing, although maybe not for the, the asking price that Fulham wanted. But... It's so difficult because you think if there aren't that many sort of elite number sixes out there that are already well established, you have to take a bit of a risk and, and tap it, you know, a market that's maybe not as as tried and tested, you know, whether that be South America. Manchester City have done that quite well, I think, in recent years with some of the players that they've brought in from South America. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you buy a young prom, you know prospect from, from South America and then they come in and have a couple of bad games and then, you know, the club sort of take the heat for... For not bringing in a world-class player in it so it is it is difficult and you look at sort of brighton and, and they get lauded and rightly so for their recruitment strategy because they've brought in so many fantastic players but you think a number of those signings if liverpool would have made them you know on the face of it they probably probably would have got a pan fit for sort of taking the cheap option and not getting sort of an established player so i do sort of you know have some sort of sympathy with the club because it is difficult and i think it's a different sort of a number six it's a very difficult market at the moment they, they took a risk on endo didn't they and, yeah. and, I, and i think i i think they deserve credit for that you know like obviously probably don't deserve credit for how the, the summer panned out in terms of caicedo and everything that happened there but but they deserve credit for going you know what we still need someone let's spend some money on this lad who, who's 
you know, more experienced, not really the type of player we usually sign, but a couple of people in the club know him. Plus, he, he did have, on the face of it, some good statistics. So I, I can understand why they took a risk with him. But I think you have to be prepared to go, okay, that risk didn't work. We'll try another. You know, I'm pretty sure with Brighton, I, you know, I, I don't have the stats, so I might be correct there. But if I'm pretty sure of all the players they sign, a lot of them don't work out. Mm. They just don't get talked about. And the ones that don't work out, you don't really know about them. They just drift off into different clubs. And the ones that do, like the Caicedos and the Callisters, we all go, wow, Brighton get everything right. But they probably don't get everything right. They're probably just willing to risk it. You know, you know, if, if, if Andre costs, I don't know, 30 million in January, is that, isn't that, is that a risk Liverpool could, could take? Because what if he goes to Fulham or Tottenham and then becomes... And then is them worth 150 yeah, million yeah, yeah. in two years' time? But yeah. this, this, but yeah. that's my point. Is if they're surely they're scouting and watching them. They've been talking about him for since the start of the season. They've been talking about him, watching them, you know. And then suddenly, why you know get him? Because if he's a player, he's a good player. Then you don't want him going to you don't want him going to Tottenham. You want to get that kind of player. The whole Caicedo thing to me was an absolute nonsense. It was a farce, wasn't it? You went from we can't afford 80 million for Paulinho. To is 115 million for someone who just it just became like it, and I don't think I honestly don't even think those last minute bids by Liverpool existed. I think that was absolute rubbish. I don't think they I don't think they would allow themselves to look that stupid. They didn't make an official bid. It just seemed to be a lot of smoke and mirrors, didn't it? Of 115 115 million pounds for one player that you weren't that you weren't prepared to to pay for for Jude Bellingham. So that all seemed to be a bit of a a, a bit of a nonsense to me. Um, but they have to be looking at these players, surely. And uh, and and if he's pulling up, you know, he he seems to have done really well. He seems to be a great player. You're absolutely right. There's I was told once by an ex Liverpool player, Ray Houghton, um, who and he said to me, when you walk in, when you no matter what club you play for, when you walk in Anfield, when you walk into those doors as a footballer, you feel the weight. You feel the weight of history, and you feel the weight of expectation. And he said, and I did it, and that was the only club I ever felt that weight for. Every other club I played for, I enjoyed it. I loved it. But at Liverpool, there's an extra feeling of you're walking into history, you're walking into a, a vast amount of football history uh, and, and the expectation. And a lot of players obviously can't put up with that, and a lot of players can, but I think that just with just that one player, that one player who can just hit the ground running, and I'm sure they're out there. I don't know much about scouting, but I'm sure there's one out there. And then the others can play. And I think I'd love to see McAllister. I'm sick of Aiden Stickle. I think McAllister now, for me, needs to bench. I feel like he needs to bench, learn, learn how how Klopp wants him to play in training. Um, and I feel like he needs he needs to get a little bit of the stick off him. And then I think he needs to watch the game and then go, right, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on there and start pulling up trees. Because at the moment, I think he's going on. He's being handed a bit of sign. He doesn't really know what to do, uh, and he's and and he's he's getting caught. And then and then there is a growing kind of uh, inconfidence in him, isn't it? And and, and and sort of he's you know McAllister again. But anyway, listen. What? Let's. I'm just going to mention one thing before we ask for the for the uh, for your predictions against uh, for the City game. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a lovely little uh, charity day, didn't we, Joe? Yeah. For our mate, uh, the never to be forgotten Dan Kay. We had the inaugural Dan Kay football. Match the Dan K Cup, is it? Yeah, yeah, Dan K Trophy, Dan K Cup. We probably need to nail that down, don't we? But yeah, we it's to. um, it's on, it's on display in the office over here. Yeah, uh, it was, a, it was a great, 
was a great day meeting up with you all. And I've got huge respect for each and every one of you. And it was a lovely thing to be there and raised over five grand, mate. Honestly, in- incredible, incredible. Over five grand. Um, honestly, I think we targeted like a grand, maybe. Um, to, to raise over five was just incredible. It's going go to some really good causes um, in the city. Um, um, yeah, I mean, just a just a great tribute to Dan. Um, so many people turned out, so much love um, for him. Um, like you say, he won't be forgotten. And um, we we aim to make it a yearly thing, and and yeah, and just keep on raising money for for great causes. And it, yeah, that it, speechless really, because because I never expected such a expected a turnout, but just such a response. The response has been incredible. So. Um, you know, thanks to everyone who got involved. Thanks a lot to James Pierce and Sam Carroll who did a lot of the legwork organising it. Um, both just did an amazing, amazing job. So, yeah, an incredible, incredible event and, and hopefully there'll be plenty more to come. Absolutely, mate. God bless Dan Kay and the Dan Kay Trophy, which will go on and on and on for many years to come, no doubt. OK, uh, Beth, just a small matter of an early kickoff. We're not very good at them. At least we'll have a bit of an, anti- well, I say international rest, but we've just, I think there's 30 players between both teams going on international duty. So let's hope for the uh, let's hope uh, Rodri Stubbs is so getting out the shower. Yeah. Um, but uh, and the rest of them. Um, but um, any predictions? What kind of games are going to be? It's either going to be terrible or it's going to be another nutcase full throttle one. Yeah, I mean, I think that this fixture is delivered, hasn't it? The last the last few seasons. Um, Liverpool were obviously horrendous last time they went to the Etihad. So I'm not expecting that again. I think it will be close. I'm going to go for a draw. I think it's going to be a draw. I think both teams might be sort of slightly rusty with the number of players having come back from international duty. I'm going to go 2-2. I think there'll be goals in it. I think defensively both sides can be got at. So, yeah, 2-2 I'm going to go for. Joe? I mean, no, no, I I hate hate being negative in predictions because it just doesn't, doesn't really make sense. You may as well hope for the best. So I do, but... I think all I'll say is I think the odds are massively stacked against Liverpool. Um, I think they're away from home, 12.30 kickoffs awful after the international break. And I think Liverpool have more players travelling further and, and coming back late, sorry, playing later yeah. before the game. So it's going to be really tough if they get a draw. I think it's an incredible result. I think all they need to do is go there and get a point and that, that keeps them in the race. Um, so... I'm not going to make a prediction, but I'll say I'll take a draw. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, though, half of City's squad seems to be injured conveniently, don't they, before the international break? Yeah, so I'm, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure none of them will be fit in time for, yeah, for that game yeah, on the sure. 25th. Yeah, I'm sure. No one seems to question that, do they? Um, well, I just feel like Nunes is going to have a huge impact in the game, and I don't know why. He's probably going to get sent off. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, I hope it's a, a, for a more positive reason. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. For, I'm gonna take the draw. I think a draw is a great point. We can. Mm. There are different. There are many ways to to win a league, and uh, and you don't have to keep beating the big ones, mate. You just have to beat them when you need to, and draw against them when you need to. They've already lost two this season, so there is a bit of a vulnerability there. I'm gonna go for a two-two draw myself. It's a good shout, that Beth. All right, thank you very much. That is uh, just about it. Lovely, lovely to hear from you, Beth, and um, and uh, keep uh, doing all your sterling work for the. Uh, for the echo, uh, Joe. Also, great to see you again, my friend. And uh, we shall see you on it. Hopefully, I don't know, but um, hopefully, we will have uh, a few more um, 
poetry emotions to go. Um, who knows what the future brings? Uh, but uh, thank you for listening, for everyone for downloading the podcast as ever. All the Blood Red podcasts. Thank you for your support. Much appreciated. They are widely listened to, and they are fantastic. And long, um, long may they continue. All the very best to you guys, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Beth. Thanks. See you. And I'll see all you lot again soon on the next Poetry Emotion. You've been listening to Poetry Emotion from the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red channel.